I'm going to put Howard in charge of my PR. Uh, thank you, Howard. I invite you to take your copy of God's Word now and turn to Ezekiel chapter number 37. I trust that you are sheltering well in place. And a reminder that if you need something, just please give us a call here at the office. We have a group of folks who are ready and willing to go and brave uh, the grocery store for you and, uh, or get whatever other supplies that you might need. And so uh, please let us go to work. Ezekiel 37 this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, we're thankful today to come together. Lord, we are apart in so many ways, but we gather now around that which is sustaining for us your word. We pray, Lord, that you would awaken it in us and our hearing today. That it would change us, Lord, and move us to where you would have us be. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text opens in the midst of an unknown time in the life of Israel. We know, though, that it is a time of great disruption. The whole community of Israel has been just turned upside down on its head. And what has caused that has been that the Babylonians have invaded Israel, they have conquered Israel, and they have carried all of the children of Israel off into captivity and exile in the nation of Babylon. So the whole community, the whole way of life has just been upturned. It's a time of fear. It's a time of sorrow. It's a time where folks have a lot of questions and they don't necessarily have a lot of answers. And in the middle of this time, God shows up. He shows up and he starts speaking to Ezekiel. Look with me at, at verses 1 and 2. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold... They were very dry. First, notice something. Notice that in the midst of this time of upheaval, the Bible says here that the Lord was with them. The, 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 the hand of the Lord was upon me. The, the word that is used there uh, is one of a, a continuous process. In other words, though they may not have been able to feel the hand of God, he was there. Though they couldn't see God or sense God, God was nevertheless right there. And he's always there with us. Even when we can't find him, there he is. Notice one other thing in this verse. Did you catch the fact that the bones were very dry? 
some translations I've read says that they're very, very, very dry. It's an important note. Researchers tell us that for someone to be able to extract viable DNA from a bone, a lifeless bone, that the conditions in which the bone occur must be very dry and very cold. Now, living here in North Carolina, we do not associate the words dry and cold in the same sentence. It may interest you to learn, as it did me this week, that the largest desert in the world is Antarctica. That doesn't make sense, does it? There's no sand, there's no camels, there's just penguins and snow and cold. And that's the thing. Antarctica receives only 51 millimeters of precipitation a year. The very definition of a desert. And so here is this very cold and dry place. And, and you're saying to me, well, what does all that mean? Well, you know, as I think about things these days, I think that a lot of us would say that we are very dry and very cold. The social isolation that we are undergoing has left us in a very cold spot. And it's left us dry from our, our normal um, means of, of getting with people and having renewed vigor and renewed life. In other words, these bones and us are set up perfectly for DNA extraction. Entrophication will, will not work here. We are set up perfectly in these conditions. Who else could these bones apply to, though? Well, beloved, understand something. You may be watching because you're bored this morning, and you have no faith. You have no faith life. You're not part of any faith community, and you say, well, this, this can't necessarily apply to me. It does apply to you as well. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, that God has placed eternity in the hearts of mankind. In other words, all of us have within us the ability to find and discern God. So if you say, I have no faith, well, you still have that DNA in you to have faith. Maybe this morning you come and you're listening in and you haven't been to church in forever. Maybe this morning uh, what your condition is is that you once had a vibrant faith and then something happened. Something happened. Maybe it was that the, 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 you just grew tired of the church saying all the time that folks, this person was wrong and that person was wrong and, and they spent a lot of time pointing out people's sins and they didn't spend much time reminding people that the grace of God covers all sins and that all stand in need of forgiveness. Maybe this morning you, you come and you're watching and, and you're one of those folks who have been hurt by God because though sometimes people in church are very grace-filled, other times people in church lack all grace and maybe you've been hurt this morning and you're coming in and you're saying I, I'm just looking for something and it's easier to, to social distance your Christianity than it is 
to actually be part of a vibrant community. And as you've social distanced, you, you found that like if you take an ember out of the fire and you set it off by itself, whereas if it was still in the fire, it would burn vibrantly, off by itself, it, it's just sort of slowly growing colder and colder and colder. And you find yourself this morning growing cold. Understand, you still have DNA that can be extracted. Now, I understand, I understand. You may have something similar going on in your thoughts like uh, Ezekiel does here in verse number 3. Notice, it says, And he said to me, God speaking, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. I read that and I think to myself, I want to think that Ezekiel is answering with some great theological insight. But part of me is saying, yeah, God, you know these can't. He, he, he's phrasing it in such a way that he, he's got his get-out calls. God, you know these bones can't live. God, they're, they're, they're dry. They're scattered. There's a multitude of bones here, and they're scattered all over. Lord, you know that there's no way on earth these bones can live. And you say this morning maybe the same thing. There's no way faith can impact my life. There's no way I can can come back and have the vibrant faith I once had. There's no way in the time of social distancing that I can have a vibrant faith and can serve God if I'm confined here in my home, afraid of the wind blowing some virus through my door. Beloved, The beauty of God is that he always has the last word. He always has the last word. Notice what he says here in verse number 4. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover your skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together bone to its bone, and I looked, behold, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Let's first deal with something here, because the the scripture says here to prophesy. He says to Ezekiel, prophesy. Now, unfortunately, in modern evangelical America, when we hear the words prophesy, we think something like Tim LaHaye and Kirk Cameron and Left Behind and people getting raptured out of airplanes and and all that stuff. That is not what is going on here. 
Does prophetic understanding involve that in some ways? Yes, but understand, when he says here prophesy, he is literally saying speak the truth of God's reality to a world in a different reality. God's reality is proclaiming, it's, it's foretelling into our world, this is truth. You know, um, I just finished in our uh, Bridge Builders uh, small group a, uh, a series through the book of Nahum. And, and, and if, if you're saying Nahum and you're wanting to go read that right now, don't. It's a very depressing book. Not the time to read Nahum. But it is a wonderful book from this perspective because it is God speaking to Nahum about the fact that Assyria, who had been tormenting Israel, was going to fall. And it was going to fall in such a way that it would never be seen again. And so here are these people who have been tormented and are hopeless because of Assyria. God says to Nahum, go tell them that it's going to be over soon. And the amazing thing about it is, is that God tells Nahum to go and do this prophecy at a time where Assyria is at its greatest power. Beloved, there is a word from God today. And God wants us to experience his reality in the midst of the confusion of the reality that we're currently in. Because his reality is ultimately going to gain supremacy. And so what is that word? Well, first, in, in telling the bones to come together, God says, I want to make you whole. Did you notice all that is going on here? The bones are coming from here and there and they're scattered, but yet they're joining together all in the right place. And then the tendons and everything else is forming in order for the, the body to move. And then skin covers the body. In other words, everything that has been scattered about is now brought whole. And God says, I have made you complete. Beloved, God wants to make you whole. And the easiest way to make you whole is to fill what Descartes said was the God-sized hole in each of our hearts that we put all sorts of things into, but only God can fill. God wants to take all of the brokenness of our lives and make us whole. He wants to take our hearts that have been broken by pain and by sorrow and make them whole. God wants to take the broken parts of our spirit that have been broken because of someone's gracelessness and pour grace into them and bind up those broken parts. Essentially, what God wants to do is to bring us peace. Because, as I've said so many times before, we have this warped understanding of what the peace of God is. The peace of God is not a cessation of hostilities. The peace of God is wholeness. God does not intend for you to be broken. He wants to bind up your brokenness. He wants to bind up your hurts. 
But he doesn't stop there. At the end there, uh, in verse number 8, we're told that there's no breath in these bodies that have been made whole. And so God speaks yet again. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet as an exceedingly great army. This word here for breath is the same word that is used throughout the Old Testament for uh, the Spirit of God. God says, I don't simply want you to have a restored body. I want you to have life. The, the word here for, for life is, is, is an abundance of vitality. God wants you to not just simply exist. He wants you to be overflowing in life. And that's where I think it's important that we notice that the breath of God comes into play. Because the Holy Spirit does just that to us. Now, I know that there are some folks who will hear this theological uh, assumption on my part and, and think that I've committed heresy, but bear with me. The easiest way I know right now to think about the work of the Holy Spirit in terms of bringing vitality to a life is to think about scarlet. I imagine the Holy Spirit in some ways much like a four-year-old. Scarlet is wide open from the minute her eyes open to the minute she exhaustedly closes her eyes. Just last night, she says, I don't want to go to bed. I want to have a party. And that was at midnight. Scarlet is always flittering around. She's always into something. She's always creating something. She's always building something. She's just always on the go. And beloved, the Holy Spirit wants to work in our lives in the same way. The Holy Spirit wants us to be vital and be revitalized and full of vitality. The Holy Spirit wants us to be inquisitive. The Holy Spirit wants to create new works in us. I personally find this time in the life of the church amazing because do you know there has been more innovation and more creativity in the church in America in the last three weeks than probably there's been in the last 300 years? We are having to find new ways to do church. We are creating ministries on the fly. I mean, think about all the stuff that we at Grove Park have started in just the last three weeks. God wants us to have within us the vitality of a four-year-old, the joy of a four-year-old, the fearlessness of a four-year-old, the inquisitiveness, the desire to learn more about him all the time, 
You know, uh, there's a study that says that as um, folks get older, they're asking, <clears throat> excuse me, they're asking the question why becomes less and less and less and less. In our house, the word why is a frequent visitor. And it's not because she's questioning, it's because she wants to know how it all works. Vitality, beloved, means asking God lots of questions. And knowing that he has the answers. And I suppose it would be enough if we said God wants us to be whole and God wants us to have vitality. But then he drops a final promise. Notice we make verses 11 through 14. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, they say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open up your graves and raise you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you will know that I am the Lord when you open your graves, when I open your graves and raise you up from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. He tells them a couple of things. Number one, he says that part of the reason why they got here was they lost hope. Did you catch that? Our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost we can't find it anywhere beloved the worst thing that could happen right now for you in the midst of this crisis is to lose hope and the easiest way to lose hope is to have hope in something that will fail you and there is only one thing that you can always have hope in and it will never fail you and that is a relationship with God. He has never failed us. He never will. But when you lose hope, you lose that connection to Him. I think that's part of also the problem with them here. Is that they have lost connection with God. Repeated throughout this process. I mean, throughout this section. Not just 30, chapter 37, but... But in chapter 36 and before, he says again and again, I will put my spirit in you. In other words, I'm going to restore the connection with you. It's not going to be uh, broken in any way. It's not going to be like I'm flipping the breaker off. I'm flipping the breaker on. And you're not going to lose connection. Beloved, have you lost connection today? There's a host of ways to lose connection. Not just simply that you put your hope in the wrong place and therefore you've lost hope. You can lose connection through sin in your life. You can lose connection through any number of things. The question is, are you willing 
to say, God, reconnect. His desire is always for reconnection. His desire is always to find that, that DNA within us and within our dry bones and by His Spirit, which quickens us and brings us to life, to reactivate that faith DNA that we would have life and hope and restoration and peace. That's what his desire is. Notice one other thing. He says he's going to restore them. You say, well, we've already read about that. <clears throat> no, no, no. He's going to restore them. He's going to bring them back from Babylon. He says that he's going to bring them back into the land of Israel. In other words, he is going to recreate community. He's going to restore community because that's another way that we maintain connection with God is through community that's why we're working right now to, to make sure that all of our Sunday school classes and all of our small groups can meet through through media like zoom so that we can keep connectivity it's why we're we're every day sending the the midday devotion on Facebook just so we can create we can maintain community and we're always trying to bring more people into community it's why we we say if you find anything worthwhile in any post that we put on Facebook please share it so that the community can expand because God ultimately wants us to experience the fullness of community He makes, beloved, the same promise to us that he does to them. I love those last words. I love those last words. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it. He won't change his mind. He won't say maybe. He is saying he is going to do it. The only thing that impedes him doing it is us simply reaching out to him across the chasm. You say, I can't reach that far. Guess what? He's going to reach all the way across. He's going to get right up to the edge. And all you and I must do is just simply take hold. So will you... Reach out from your dry, cold place today and experience the warmth of life and restoration. Will you have your hope renewed? Will you find community amongst the saints? Will you find a renewed call to service for God? It says here that the children of Israel become a massive army. God is ready to deploy us. Going back to last week, if not now, when? Would you pray with me? <clears throat> Father,
Father, your Spirit works through ways we cannot understand. This past week, the church celebrated the proclamation to Mary that she would bear forth a child. And we know that it is the Spirit that enlivened her and conceived Jesus. We know, Lord, that that life-giving power is available to all of us. So wherever we are, wherever we are dry, wherever we are cold, Lord, bring the warmth of your Spirit. Make us whole. Make us revitalized. Make us hope. Speak your words into our lives that we may know your reality. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, most times, I stand down front here and give an invitation and I invite people to walk down and talk to me and all that. Well, here's the deal today. If there's some area in your life that you've gone dry and cold and you need that DNA quickened and you want prayer for that, Please call me, email me, msanders at groveparkchurch.com. I'd love to be able to talk to you and pray with you about that. Maybe it's something else. Maybe, maybe you've gone away from the church and you want to come back and you'd like prayer about that. Maybe it's that you've never found life through Jesus Christ and that is the way to have that renewed, quickened DNA of faith and life and hope is through a relationship and you'd like to know how to do that, I'll be glad to pray with you. Just message me. Call the office. We want to meet your needs where you are. We want you to know that community exists though we are distant and far. And we want you to experience all of it. So as we sing the final hymn. I pray that God would work mightily in your life to quicken your DNA and that you would not be dry or cold anymore.